Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Faces and FinOuts podcast powered by ProsperOps. I'm your host, John Meyer. Now, the Faces and FinOps podcast is all about highlighting thought leaders in the cloud financial management space and insights in how they're making an impact not only within their community, but within their company. Now, I'm gonna change things up and do things a little different, and then we're gonna let our guests introduce themselves. Hi, everybody, my name is Eric Malartrick. I work for a company called Boomi, which is the market-leading integration platform as a service. And I focus on FinOps at Boomi, and I've been doing this for approximately five years now. So a very robust program, and I enjoy it every day. I basically find a new thing every day, and that increases my knowledge, and that makes me happy and engaged as an employee. Eric, how did you get started at FinOps or doing FinOps? Well, it all started about five years ago, as I mentioned. But um, we were kind of coming up on an AWS migration and we were moving out of our legacy uh, data center provider and we migrated. And I quickly found that if you don't have tagging in place, it's really hard to understand what your infrastructure is doing, who is using what within each environment. And we really had to come out with some sort of tagging strategy to be able to you know, identify and understand our usage. So that got me Googling a little bit saying, all right, how are others dealing with uh, cloud infrastructure and understanding the cost ramifications for it, so on and so forth. And I came across something called the FinOps Foundation. And um, back in the day when I joined the FinOps Foundation, there, I remember going to member calls and there were typically like 30 people on a member call. I don't know if John, if you were around back then, but um, it was typically like JR, Mike Fuller, and then Joe Daly and some other folks who kind of you know, not coined the term, but really started the, the basis for the operation. Just talking about FinOps in general and establishing those best practices for each of their organizations. And you, know, you fast forward to now, you know, take a look at some of these calls, right? These calls are over a thousand people. I can't believe how far it's come and how big it's gotten. And it makes me really happy to see because, you know, a lot of us out there were probably overutilizing or not efficiently utilizing. And if we can all make ourselves a little bit more efficient, right, you know, that makes the economic impact and the climate impact a little bit better if you're thinking really high level like myself. Eric, why do you think FinOps has progressed so far along and has been a hot topic from five years to now? Over the last couple of years, I think it's really taken off um, for a couple of reasons. So the first one, if you take a look at the market conditions out there, right? You know, as we move from low interest rates to higher interest rates, you know, money has started to tighten a little bit. You know, economic spending has tightened. And thus, organizations are starting to look at their, you know, their entire cost structure across the board. Usually, a comp you know, having like AWS or Azure is going to be one of the big ticket items. And of course, you know, that is the one with rampant opportunity, the one that's going to get the most focus. So especially recently, you know, companies are now looking at their cloud usage and getting a better understanding of how things are and, of course, what they can do to make themselves more efficient. And we've seen that from companies like AWS saying, hey, our growth is going to slow for the time being 
because of companies that are focusing on optimization efforts. Eric, I remember about five years ago, it was right around uh, 2018, so maybe six years by the time this you know, comes out in our recording, but we were dealing with customers who wanted to do cost optimization within their AWS environment. They noticed that their spend was increasing. The cost of their cloud was more than their traditional data center. And one of the things that I worked on underneath like cloud financial management was the cost optimization. What is the difference between CFM and FinOps? I don't necessarily think there's a big difference between CFM and FinOps, right? CFM is more or less, I think the AWS derived term terminology for, you know, managing the cloud, managing the cost opt or the cost within the cloud and the understanding of your cloud usage. Um, FinOps, I guess, if you want to apply the practice to it, right? It you know, ha brings together all of your stakeholders and makes sure that everyone understands that, hey, this is how we're using the cloud. And this is how we can use the cloud for our advantage. But really, they are very similar to each other. I don't see much of a, a differentiation at this point in time. It's just where the terminology grew up. One kind of came out of Cloudability as part of a, um, I think it was a customer advisory board. And then, you know, JR obviously formed the foundation as a nonprofit. And the other one came out of AWS. Eric, let's flip back to what your role is at Boomi and working with FinOps. What exactly does your role entail? Like, what do you do from your day-to-day -day activities? Sure. So let me, um, let me give a background about what Boomi is really quick. You know, so folks can understand and I'll tie in like what my role is with that. So as I mentioned, Boomi is an integration platform as a service. Um, what that really means is data, data integration is extremely hard these days, right? Now you've got applications out there that don't talk to each other, such as a Salesforce talking to Workday, like none of that communicates to each other. And that requires t uh, companies to staff teams to write integrations, to maintain, to manage integrations, to maintain middleware, to connect that data together. That's frustrating. That's time consuming. What happens if one of those providers goes and changes their connectors, right? And, and you don't know about it. So you've got to go ahead and go reconfigure the integration, make sure that it's working. And at the end of the day, if you don't know about it, that could be impacting your business and your business could lose out on potential revenue because you missed a change to integration. Well, a company like us gives that to you as a service where you don't have to manage and maintain that infrastructure. You can host it within the cloud, being our cloud, the Boomi cloud. You can host it in your own cloud, or you could uh, have us manage it for you within our own cloud as well. So now let's tie in what I do to that. So as a FinOps practitioner within Boomi, I help manage and make sure that our infrastructure is optimized. Make sure that we understand where our cost is going, understand what our unit economics are, especially like what our cost per tenant is for our customer base, what our cost per, um, we have a couple different products um, like gold, Golden Records, which is our hub product. You know, what our cost per Golden Record is, what our cost per flow launch is. We use those as efficiency metrics that we track so we can understand if we're moving in the right direction, you know, obviously growing faster than the, the cost, you know, having that revenue come in faster. Um, myself as a day-to-day, -day, you know, I lead, I engage, I enable engineers to understand that efficiency. You know, we try to bring 
everything to those engineers versus making the engineers go and like seek out and understand what an optimization opportunity is. Um, I found that in my experience, typically bringing things to the engineers automatically uh, that makes sense gets them to take action a little bit quicker than you know them going out and trying to dig into you know the cost optimization hub, for example, that was created within AWS. Um, I also work on you know with the procurement team. Um, so we are obviously using cloud services and other SaaS providers, and we'll partner together to really understand our usage and, excuse me, make sure that we're doing it efficiently and, of course, getting the, the best possible contract for, for Boomi. Eric, talk to me a little bit more about your FinOps implementation at Boomi. How did it get started? So it started, we, we basically found a tool called Aptio Cloudability. Um, at the time, it was Cloudability. Um, we've been using it for quite a while. And we chose to use that platform, because we're multi-cloud, to uh, figure out and start understanding our cost and usage. And that became like the basis for really understanding what we were doing, obviously, once we applied like the tagging strategy. We were then quickly and, quickly and easily able to allocate like 96% of our spend to cost centers uh, just through the tagging and the account structure that we have. That was really the basis. After that, you know, we knew that we were going to be rolling out a bunch of new environments, right? And this was after this was uh, back like after we had moved our platform into AWS. So, building on top of cloudability, we were able to roll out a number of other resources in specific regions very quickly and have the tagging capability to understand what we were costing, how many customers we had in those particular environments. And of course, start building those unit economics that I, I had talked about um, just a moment ago. But that platform became the foundation for us as a practice. And since then, you know, we've still leveraged that platform to, ex to extract data out of and really bring that data into. Um, I talked about this back in like 2020. Um, Boomi used to be very structured in the office, just like a lot of organizations that were out there. When 2020 hit, the COVID pandemic, we all of a sudden were remote and we were leveraging Slack to communicate. So the best way I found is to bring that data to the engineers were home bases, so in Slack. So we worked with each of the teams to establish those Slack channels to get that data piping into. And um, they've learned to all look at that data and we've taken it further like to establish like governance. And if you're running like deviations out of those template sizes, right, we'll bring that information to the engineers and we'll even bring it into their backlog uh, by a way of ticket automation. But that's all kind of built on the, the platform that we have from a cloudability perspective. Um, and I said, as I said, we're multi-cloud, so we definitely have that practice across all of our cloud providers that we're using today. Eric, so you're taking the data and you're bringing enhanced visibility to your engineers that they trust the data that is visualized to them and saying, oh, we need to make a change or we're deviating from our traditional kind of standard templates and plans. And now we need to make sure that this fits in within our FinOps practice, that we're doing the right things for the business and that we're not uh, kind of elevating the cost. That's right. At the end of the day, visibility is key. If the engineers don't see the visibility, I don't know if any action is going to take place outside of somebody like me nagging all the teams. Not to say that I don't do that. I certainly uh, have 
built up my persona here of Boomy over time to become the uh, the Boomy Grinch, which we can dig into if you're curious on that story. <laughs> we got to go there right now. The Boomy <laughs> Grinch. <laughs> okay, so. All right, we, you got to tell me about this. All right, yeah, yeah. So sidebar conversation, John. Okay, so here we are. It is holiday season, at least the one that just passed, right? So this is probably the fourth iteration of the Grinch that has uh, come out. But four, no, actually, it's probably five years now. <laughs> it was definitely pre-COVID. So um, I basically around the same time that I started becoming like the full-time practitioner, um, it was around holiday time. And there's one thing that would drive me absolutely insane. It's, hey, at the time, Dell owned Boomi and Dell mandated off the last week of the year. So we knew confidently we're not going to be around. And usually people kind of ramp down, you know, in December. So I started making like a pitch and a program to shut off as much as we possibly could in the, uh, the non-production, like development sandbox environments. And I would work with the teams and say, hey, do you need this stack? Um, it's, I, are you going to be going away? Is it business critical? And then, of course, you know, it would get shut down um, as people were gone. Um, I remember we literally had, I remember going to the sandbox accounts and we literally had nothing online. I was feeling really proud of myself at that point in time. So overall, like I kept kind of reinforcing the Grinch message. I made like this whole Slack post about the Grinch and how he's looking over the, you know, the cloud farm and he wants to make sure that you know, nobody's wasting spend because the Grinch really gets upset when spend is wasted, especially when you're sitting in vacation, right? So just making the pitch, reinforcing the message over and over again um, at that time led to, I think it was around like a $200,000 like monthly savings or monthly cost reduction uh, just by making that pitch. So what happened is that more or less, um, the name stuck with me because the program was successful. Um, people in our Slack like went and created a bunch of Grinch emoticons for each of the holidays. So now you've got like a Grinch with like a worker helmet on for, for Labor Day, right? Um, but the name kind of stuck with me and it's it's continued ever since. Like I, I used my friend uh, ChatGPT to uh, make a nice little poem uh, for the holidays, uh, this past holidays. And um, we've obviously evolved a little bit at Boomi, right? We have folks that are now working in India. So not, it doesn't apply to everybody anymore, right? We've got, you know, workers all over the place now, but for the most part, the American folks, you know, followed suit and um, we turned off infrastructure again. And, and that's kind of been our lifeblood. Like we do turn things off on nights and weekends and on holidays for the most part, that's non-business critical. In a long-winded approach, like I am the Boomy Grinch. That's the story of how I became the Boomy Grinch. Uh, the name will always continue uh, going forward, uh, regardless of you know whether I'm at Boomy or not. Like the culture, the mentality is is baked in now, which is pretty awesome. I like that. The Boomy Grinch. Uh, Eric, I'm going to have to share that. When we do this post here, I'm going to be like, you got to reach out to Eric and ask him about the Boomy Grinch. Yeah, I, please. Uh, I'm glad to enlighten on, on how we did that, right? You 
and you can almost make it like a game too, like gamified yep. a little bit. Um, I know, I don't know if some of the previous folks that you've had on have talked about gamification, but it certainly is a topic. You know, going on those fin hacks or uh, going on like a cloud cap. I think uh, somebody at Comcast had like a capture the flag one. I think. Yeah. Kind of cool. I think day. gamifying the cost savings and the implementation and not only what you could do within an environment encourages people to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. It's not just a mundane go in here and shut this off, go here, shut this off. But I think what it does is it allows you to kind of compete in a very, and it's a beneficial way to everybody. In another sidebar, but related to the Grinch conversation, I, I'm very big in making sure that people get called out for like the good work that they do. Um, so I, I hosted this, I'll call it the Grinch awards. Um, it's probably about six months ago, but I did it in a, uh, engineering all hands and I, I adopted the persona of a, basically a host. <laughs> and, um, I handed out a bunch of awards uh, to people. They're just badges, um, not actual monetary rewards, but that's a whole nother discussion that I'm sure we could have another day, but I'm handing out badges to folks for the good work that they've done. And I, people thought it was hysterical. Like I just, <laughs> I really, uh, grabbed onto the moment and went a little overboard, but, um, I had some fun doing it and I'm probably delinquent on doing it, but, um, we probably should do it for the end of the year as well, because we've just hit the end of the year. So, um, yeah, little sidebar conversation for you. Actually, that's a good idea because people look forward to those quirky rewards, even though like they're not like it's not a uh, a normal thing that's actually done. But they're like, oh, man, I can't wait to win this award at the end of the year. Your story on the Boomy Grinch, I think you should submit that to FinOps X. I think that is a compelling story, a speaker presentation on the Boomy Grinch. And if you don't submit it, I think I might have to do it on your behalf. Uh, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I've definitely, I've never like, I, I'm trying to think. I think the first FinOps X, I touched on it, but I feel like it was like in a Q&A session. So yeah. somebody had asked the question, but John, it, it's a fun story. And, um, you know, it's similar to like Joe Daly. Yeah. I don't know if you know Joe, but yep. um, he used to, uh, at Nationwide, people would print out, his face so they put him on like the monitors and it would have like joe daly is watching your cloud spend right <laughs> he's always watching with his face in there <laughs> that's like monsters inc i'm always watching oh, you yeah, definitely <laughs> i like that eric how would you actually like rank your company's maturity level for within the organization around finops are do you feel yourself you're in a crawl a walk do you reach the run stages at all yeah definitely we are in a run stage right we've been practicing for years i have one ally on my team will carlson he actually was our cloudability technical account manager um, at one point in time. Um, he chose to leave cloudability. And then, you know, months later, he was still out there looking for a job. I'm like, oh, I've got something that's opening up. And I brought him on board. And we really have a lot of fun together. He's also really versed in FinOps, you know, especially from his days at cloudability, right? He was doing, you know, working with a ton of different clients as a technical account manager. But... I would say we are in a run stage for just about everything. 
Now we're still working on like moving into containers, right? That's going to be a big initiative for us. So making sure that we're doing it in the right way, you know, scaling up and scaling down with demand, making sure that the, you know, the labels and the namespaces are in place so we can understand that cost, especially as we start breaking up, you know, what was traditionally EC2 and RDS environments uh, into more of like shared environments. So that's kind of the next thing for us. But at the end of the day, like I try to, automate myself out of a job. Um, I don't know if, you know, it's funny, my boss yesterday was just talking about that, um, you know, as some guidance for a lot of folks, like that's some guidance that he got. But in reality, like you're not trying to get yourself out of a job, you're trying to elevate yourself to work on more important things, to work on what's next, right? And I've got to tie this into like prosper ops, right? I used to be used, buying savings plans and RIs and all that fun stuff. Right. Um, I'd spend a lot of time and going back to like that Grinch story that I told, I remember we had shut off so much uh, back in the day and savings plans didn't exist then. So I was literally converting our eyes uh, on Christmas Eve, I think, or Christmas Day, one of those two, to make sure that we didn't waste. But that's that's another uh, discussion point. But my point is, I was spending a lot of mundane time and effort buying savings plans, buying our eyes. And I found out that at the end of the day, there is tools that are automate that can automate that function that can do it way better than I can and save myself more time to focus on like usage-based optimizations, which may be the bigger ones. You're making sure that we're re-architecting or using differently or using less if we don't need to be using as much as we currently have. So automating myself out of the job, I said, I'm going to automate this job function away. And that is where Prosper Ops data showed that they could do it better than I can. And I brought them in and uh, they've, they've crushed it for us. Like it's something that I would never want to do again. Um, but, you know, uh, thank you, Prosper Ops, of course, for, for helping me down that voyage. That's true automation. And I think that's one of the jobs or things that people don't understand is if you're trying to manage any of your reserve instances, savings plans, anything by yourself on a small scale, it works, but on a large scale, it's very difficult because there's so many moving parts and information that you have to take into consideration. Eric, what are some of the other things that you're utilizing automation for and hopefully automate yourself out of, I don't want to say a job, automate out of a task. Yeah, sure. So uh, the governance and the compliance. So that that's where Will Will's kind of my technical counterpart. Um, he's hands on keyboard, like writing code. Um, I last wrote code on I think maybe uh, ASP six, so a long time ago. I don't want to be uh, in there slinging code because um, I know that that wasn't something that had really interested me a whole lot. Although these days, like code is everything. Anyways, um, so bringing that information to to engineers as i mentioned right you know previously it would be hey you know you log into cloud ability you go look at these reports you know you have them sent out to you automatically so on and so so forth but you know did the engineers actually read it and understand it well no will and i had chosen to bring that in to engineers in the slack where they always are um so kind of taking the information that's already there putting our own, like massaging the data and then giving them that information to be able to make decisions has been uh, one of the functions that we've automated. Um, we've also automated some of the things like, hey, we used to use a lot of GP2, right? Um, well, GP3 came out and GP3 is, I mean, depending on the configuration, usually like 10 to 20% more efficient. So automating migrating from GP2 to GP3, that's something that we've put in 
um, removing things like unassociated IP addresses, um, alerting on you know, stacks that may have leftover resources in the event that somebody tried to delete something manually and forgot about it. So bringing some of those things in an automatic fashion to the engineers from a visibility perspective is really the, the crux of it. Uh, previously, that most of that would have been done like, manually. And um, it's given us the ability to focus on other things like usage optimizations and what's next, and even tackling you know that big observability bill that nobody's looked at yet. Eric, what are some of the challenges that you might have faced in the early stages when you were implementing FinOps? I found that, so my influence can be a double-edged sword at times. Like in the event that, hey, if I'm looking at right-sizing data for something that I know is going to be rolling out in the near future, for example, say we're going to do a cloud migration, and I look at the data and the data is suggesting to me that, hey, the resources that we provision, like we need to bring those down because they're too big. I know we're going to be migrating customers soon, but the data is showing that you know, we don't need the, the set of resources that we've provisioned. So to tell a story on that particular topic, one of the things that I remember specifically is I made a recommendation to downsize a set of infrastructure that was going to be used for a migration. And the engineers, just because of my name, you know, followed suit with downsizing that infrastructure without really pushing back, right? And guess what? I was wrong. <laughs> the, the infrastructure actually um, needed to be at that cer certain size to be able to complete the migration, and it almost put our migration at risk. So I learned very quickly, I'm like, ooh, like sometimes I'm not always right. And having conversations with engineers versus dictating is usually the better approach than you know, just saying you need to do this. Like you know, never take the list of right sizing data and then send it to the CFO. Right? <laughs> that will that will be your new budget, right? Yeah. So there's always a two way street. It's who a conversation that needs to take place. That's one of my biggest takeaways. If we're not talking or collaborating here, right? What are we doing? You know, you're not going to gain the trust you're going to probably make a mistake. You're not going to understand the infrastructure as much as some of the engineers. But if you talk and then you get a better context, you're going to make a better decision. What are some of the challenges, though, now that you're a mature FinOps company, right? You have implemented it for these past few years. You're now considered mature. What are some of the challenges that you have faced? Or what are some of the challenges other mature companies face when they're dealing with FinOps? Like thinking about what the next thing is going to be and being able to evolve with it. So right now, we see a lot of AI buzz, right? Generative AI, you know, I don't know if I'm even talking to you. Damn, you we, hit my I'm talking question. to a robot right now. <laughs> but we this need to understand. Just remember, this is a deep fake. <laughs> yeah. But we need to understand, you know, where this industry is going and really being able to understand how to optimize some of this new infrastructure that's going to be coming our way. Um, we're dabbling in AI now, of course, just like everybody else. But I want to make sure that we are doing it in an efficient way from the beginning. So making sure that we're part of, I'll call it the cloud center of excellence, the architecture governing board, you know, whatever you have in your organization. But being a part of that organization is the most part. 
you know, having a voice to be able to say, hey, this, you know what, what if we did this a little bit differently? Or, you know, it's going to cost this. Has anybody thought about the cost of you know, using this particular type of solution, right? So again, understanding the landscape of the future, but making sure that you're part of the organization to make the right choices for the business, especially when it comes to generative AI and the cost model of generative AI. Eric, do you think AI is going to impact FinOps at all? Yeah, like a hundred percent. Like if you can leverage in a generative AI fashion and potentially, as I like to automate myself out of a job, you know, come up with better right-sizing recommendations that are, you know, even actionable, or if you can even have a robot, you know, you, that you educate make decisions based upon data, understanding how your environment operates typically, that can actually check code into the repository, potentially like a pull request or something. That would be, in my eyes, really valuable. And I think that's where this industry is going to go. Like I, we need to be having systems that understand and that can make decisions as, if not quicker than a, a human being to enable us to become more efficient. So look for that to come in the future, I think. Like I've seen multiple vendors starting to tackle that initiative. I think AI is going to impact FinOps, but not in a negative way. It's going to automate and do some of the things and visually help everybody out and understand more aspects around FinOps, around the culture, around cost optimization, around their hyperscalers things that they couldn't once put pull together from various reports ai is going to help them visually see things not only today tomorrow and down the road and predict a lot of those but it's still going to need a human to validate the data to perform some percentage of the action and maybe we can lower the threshold of you know 33 percent of engineers not taking action down a little bit more because the risk isn't there because more data is available I agree with you, John. Like at the end of the day, we all want to do this more efficiently. We do want to take off some of the mundane tasks that we do and give it to automation. But that's going to make everything better for every organization, right? If we're using less because we didn't need to use as much, that changes the carbon footprint a little bit. So I, I want a planet to be here in 100 years. Um, you know, especially for my kids, you know, as they get older as well. So we really need to understand what we can do to lower our carbon footprint. And I think AI will help us get to that point. Um, but we need to educate it. You know, it's another tool for the job. You know, I know you hear people talking about how it's going to replace jobs and it might, it probably will. Like if you think about like factory work, right? You know, we factory work replaced humans with robots, right? I think there's going to be some of that aspect with AI, of course, but being able to harness and having jobs pivot to harness that intelligence and to harness the, uh, to harness that intelligence will move this industry forward and get us to a greener planet. I think AI will eliminate tasks and maybe potential some jobs around, even let's just talk in the FinOps perspective, but it's going to create additional jobs. Yes. Because now you need certain tasks, you need people to do certain things in order to enable AI to do these things for your FinOps culture. 100% agree. Yep.
I definitely think that way. Eric, let me ask you, what advice would you give those who are trying to start out and implement a FinOps culture within their company? I would start out and just listen. You know, start interviewing your engineers about how they're using. Start interview starting start interviewing your finance ally to find out you know, what it means most to them, especially as you move into the cloud. Uh, leadership and product management. Start conversing and collaborating with those teams to find out what the most important you know, objective is and then align on those objectives. But having the, the collaboration, obviously the tagging strategy is going to come after that, but that's for visibility. Um, you got to start building people relationships first. And I'm the type of guy that reaches out to engineers and, you know, has a conversation and, you know, I like to dig and build that relationship. I do the same thing with finance. I've been working with a finance partner for about five years as well. She's great. But because of our relationship, you know, we've been able to advance Boomi forward uh, from a FinOps perspective. And we really can make decisions like on the fly very rapidly, which is amazing. But start with the relationship building and uh, defining what your goals are for a FinOps practice. And then you can start working on the, the rest of the objectives, you know, like assigning the visibility, the tagging strategy, and all the other mechanisms, optimization, so on and so forth. But without having that conversing, like that's where it's going to become difficult to move your initiative forward. Talking about the relationship building, who are some of the most influential practitioners in FinOps today? Ooh, so going uh, within within uh, the FinOps Foundation in general, you're talking about, right? Not just uh, uh, I'm just talking about, no, actually, no, just the FinOps community. We okay. don't have to put it. Those who are not only advocating for FinOps, talking about FinOps, doing FinOps day in and day out like yourself, who are some of the others out there that you follow that are influencing FinOps today? So as I think back to... Cloudability's CloudyCon in 2019. Is that I really remember... a thing? Oh yeah, yeah. CloudyCon. CloudyCon. I missed yeah. it. Yeah. It so 2019 September. It was located near San Francisco Airport um, in Burlingham or Ham or whatever it's called. Um, in that room was Mike Rosenberg, Rob Martin. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin, Steph Gooch, myself, I think Dieter Matzion was there, um, and uh, like a, a ton of other people, to be honest. Like I'm not doing justice in, in the amount of folks that were really visionary and foundational. Oh, Ashley, of course, my goodness. She sat like right in front of me, right? <laughs> Ashley Hermako. But those folks I've learned so much from and have shaped the community in an incredible way. And those folks have been doing FinOps for a very long time, but they were right. Like you know, they've established the way, the framework, and have even joined the foundation, you know, as a leader to make sure that the framework is getting out there for others to use. Um, but for me, the person who really impacted my life the most is Dieter. Dieter, at the time, I think he was at Intuit. 
Um, yeah, he actually gave a presentation there. But um, Dieter is the type of guy that, you know, he's an ambassador, but he will come out and be like, all right, you want to learn for, more from me? Schedule a meeting. Let, let's hop on a call. And I remember him and um, I think one of the guys, another guy from Intuit, his name is escaping me right now. I apologize. But they joined a call with me as I'm starting to shape the foundation or starting to shape uh, FinOps within Boomi. And they gave me pointers, you know, make sure you go to engineers, you know, standards, right? Just walk in, you know, have a conversation, see how things are going with them. You know, find out what they're motivated by, right? These are some of the invaluable things that I've learned from people along the way. Um, Joe Daly's another one, right? Joe, and I don't think Joe was at, at CloudyCon, but, you know, Joe and I have talked about setting KPIs early on, but um, these folks are so intelligent and have helped shape the community and given me the information that I need to be successful with my job. And you know, I hope one day people look at me as being the same. So thank you for this opportunity. Of course, of course. Now, Eric, I'm gonna switch things up and I'm gonna ask you, it's a very challenging question. So you might need a few moments to think about it. All right, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. If you didn't have to be here right now, and I'm talking at Boomi because you wanna be on this podcast and I love asking this question, where would you be? Uh, if I didn't have to be on the podcast or if I didn't have to be um, you know, doing my career right now? Let's just say you want to be on the podcast. So we'll just say your career right now. If you didn't have to be oh. at work right now, right today, because I know you and I are getting some snow today. So hopefully <laughs> some warm weather. But if you didn't have to be here right now, what would you be doing? So great question. It probably would involve somewhere warm, like being on an island, potentially in Hawaii. Um, you know what? As I, as I went on vacation a few weeks ago to Florida, I got to witness one of the coolest things that I've ever experienced and may not experience again. But I was there for a, a SpaceX launch. Um, this, so SpaceX was launching their um, Falcon Heavy and they had some new like Space Force vehicle that was being launched. This thing was like rescheduled multiple times. And it just so happened that it coincided with my vacation that I was able to actually witness a launch that had been postponed multiple times over the course of like years, I think. And I literally sat in the parking lot of my hotel and watched the SpaceX Falcon at night launch up in the sky and then watched two of the rockets, which I think were the Falcon nines or whatever, come back down and as they're coming back down making sonic booms like scaring my kids like <laughs> i got on video too like my son is um you know, he literally is talking about that being really cool and then boom 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 like it, it was really amazing um followed up by another launch that happened later on too so i got to see two launches in a night like this stunt but my point is like they're you know seeing rockets launch up to space right i think that's super super cool i'd love to see more of that like i i visited the kennedy space center for the first time since i was probably like 10. um so you know over 30 years ago now at this point there's a lot to learn out there like think about space it's a really big place you know there's so much out there that we don't know so i would like to um you know, go on the space initiative here and uh, understand more about our more about our universe like that's super fun. So thank you, uh, SpaceX, for launching at that time. That really moved me.
uh, they coordinated with your schedule. I think that's really cool to watch that and see it happening. And it just so happened that you were out there. Now, I would definitely be somewhere warm. So Hawaii, yeah, so Florida, Florida, wherever it is. Florida. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good. Yeah, honestly, a great, great experience for me, for myself and for my kids. They were lucky to see that, too. And my well, wife. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Eric, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. That was this fun, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Well, everybody, this has been another awesome episode and discussion around faces and FinOps powered by our great friends at Prosper Ops. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify. And also check out the Prosper Ops blog and our previous podcasts that are out there. Go to prosperops.com. And until next time.